Hello and welcome to another Not Chili podcast. Today on episode 18, we have Josh yet again and we're talking about the TV show MASH. Now we're talking about this show in preparation for a series of short episodes uh, of some of the best moments that we like in MASH. And to be honest, this episode is a great example of how much Josh loves MASH as a TV show. I was flicking through it and I noticed that it was mostly him talking about all these amazing moments of the TV show. And it's just a testament of how much, firstly, how much knowledge he has about it. And I'm certainly running off the back of himself. And how good of a TV show, considering how much you can talk about and how many layers you can get into it. Anyway, sit back and enjoy and thank you very much for being a part of this. All I have to say, Peon. Yes. Yes, that- Josh. Through the early morning fog, I see visions of the things to be, the pain that are withheld from me. I realize and I can see that suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. Gonna let you do this. And I can take or leave it if I please. I wonder what Josh is talking about. The greatest show of all time. Do you think so? No, there is no greatest show of all time. What do you think it's... It's just a fucking amazing show. Yeah, right. Oh, it is definitely one of the greatest shows of all time. Like, Mm -hmm. if you take all the shit that's in it that is to do with its time... Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, racism... Sexism. uh, A huge portion of the sexism is... Referring to the 50s. Oh, no, that's my, my point, is that it's still... Uh, the racism is of the 70s. Oh, I see what you're getting Like, at. you know, we need Korean people. Let's cast Chinese people. Oh, um, right, right, right. Or the same... Like, throughout the series, a lot of the featured Asian extras are the same person. Yeah. Because um, who will know the difference, <laughs> like, according to the producers? Uh, and th- that happens with a couple of white people in it. It does. Yeah, including Shepard. Uh, Shepard. Sherman. Yeah. Sherman T. Putter. Um, oh, that's right. He's in, like, one of the early seasons. Like, the aggressive... He's the, yeah, he's in the last episode of uh, season two, I think. Yeah. Two or three. Pretty sure. No. God, no. Of course that's not. So, that's season so two. weird in so many ways. I mean, all of it's weird. I mean, I guess... He plays ex- a mad general. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, I remember that. that Great was, episode. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and so was the episode we just watched. Which, and we should talk about, is we're just going to have a quick-ish podcast about MASH. Because uh, Josh and I plan to do a couple of more kind of more contained series. Something we can kind of smash out in a, in a much higher frequency that allows us to have a more stable podcast. And so we're going to do... Um, Firstly, an introduction to MASH and why we love it. And then we're going to do kind of our favorite episodes and then just do, like, just go through them. There's so many episodes. We're not going to go sequentially. (laughs) Yeah. We're just going to miss a bunch and we're just going to pick things out and then just be like, why is this amazing? What made it really cool? And and all that business. Cool. Yeah. So tell me. Well, this is obviously the intro. Like, like, this is going to be the first episode, the episode that, that people can, like, be like, oh, this is what they're talking about. So we don't have to you know, go about every single episode and be like, well, MASH is a TV show, which blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about what MASH is as a whole and what you love about it. Being 14 years into my love affair with MASH. 14 years. You know yeah. what? My love affair is like five years old. 
or no, probably a little bit more six or so. I'm trying to remember when Laura went overseas. So you oh, tell me about your first experience with Mash, other than like watching uh, it as uh, a kid when on when it appeared a couple Simpsons of times. To come on. Yeah, that's right. Like when you actually watched watched it. Uh, it was at my when I worked at Top Video, and uh, we had seasons one, two, and three, which are the ones that have um, uh, uh, Trapper. Sorry, my brain is tired. Uh, it has uh, Trapper and uh, Lieutenant Colonel. Um, Winchester, not Winchester. Henry. Henry. Um, <laughs> my brain is going crazy. Anyway, Henry's in it. And, uh, yeah, so that's before uh, Trapper leaves. And uh, I had just finished a HSC and I, like, binged them. And Did you watch all of it, like, back to back and just, like, did it take you, like, a month or something? Not a month. Like, I don't know, two weeks. Jeez. That's pretty fast. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't really doing anything. And, uh, you know, except for partying and getting drunk and shit. True. And uh, working at a video store. So, I watched it at home and I watched it at work. Nice. Uh, And, yeah, so then about a year and a half later, I was working at Video Easy and Epping. And, um, yeah, found out that you could buy uh, anything as a staff member. You could buy it as long as you put the GST on top of the cost price. And there it is. Yeah. So I bought all 11 seasons, uh, yeah. 33 DVDs. And um, yeah, it was, uh, I then smashed it in order. And uh, not that it really matters, but smashed it all in order. There are arcs in it. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that was really when I totally, totally fell in love. Um, and it became a show that, kind of became part of my DNA, I guess. Mm. It's one of my favourite things, you know, whatever type of media you want to absorb. It's one of my favourite things. I think it's a very human show. I think that it's a very honest show. It's a very brave show. Mm. Um, It did a lot of, you know, they had to fight so hard to make it what it was um, before it really took off Mm. Uh, in terms of it took off fairly quickly. But um, in terms of, you know, the blood, for instance, um, they initially were never allowed to have, before the show got uh, into production, Mm. um, no one wanted them to have blood, uh, no one wanted them to have any kind of- There's no blood in war. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. They just sort of went, okay, well, then there's- we can't do this. Like, we have to have this or not. And and that's where- um, where uh, one of the show's producers was fundamentally important to the whole process. Uh, And he's very proud of his efforts on it, and he said his only regret was that he didn't fight harder for a bigger set. Uh, That's kind of it. Um, Yeah, so my experience with it was you you obviously, like, raved about it, and you told me about heaps, and then I think the moment I was like... Yeah, man, maybe I'll check it out. You're like, yeah, yeah, quick. Here's like 60 gigs worth of like of MASH. I'm like, yeah, just watch it, watch it. So I like- uh, I've that, got, Are I've... you saying that I gave you a pirated copy of MASH? No. No, no, no. You have um, all of it. I do, I do have all of it, but so... I do have it digitally backed up because I, I yeah. 
mashes for me personally are thing that I, I have a need. And it's for me, for me, Firefly was that same kind of thing. I've got a digital version, but I also have the like the DVDs for it. And I just oh, watch yeah. the digital versions because it's just easier to access and they don't wear and tear the discs. Totally. Um, yeah, so you threw them at me and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I probably held it for like a year or something like that before. Yeah, so my girlfriend went away uh, overseas and... Um, and I saw I had like, I think it was a month that she was gone. And I was like, now's the time. And I felt pretty like, like down about it. Cause I'd like, I'd never had my partner disappear for like a long period of time. And, uh, so I started watching it and just could not stop. And then once it got past season two, I was just like in tears, like on a daily basis whilst drinking a lot. Wow. It was not good. Cause I was like, cause I mean, I love booze and you you can imagine like watching a show like that where they base well like especially in the earlier seasons where they're just making alcohol that makes you feel and constantly drinking I was just like matching them drink for drink and it was uh, a, a drunken sappy mess of a show and that's probably why I'm so in love with it because I haven't actually rewatched it. I've been so eager to but I'm so in love with it because it was like it talked about so many amazing topics oh yeah. But you go go. You obviously have all like a lot more like, uh, finer detail about all of it. I think it's the the the, the beauty of the show is, uh, you know, a lot of people talk now and um, like when you read, people sort of go, "Oh, it was great when it was funny," and then when Al Alan Alda got control of it, it was. What idiots say that? Um, oh, tons of people. They think it sort of got too preachy and all that kind of stuff. But. Um, the thing is, maybe at the time it may have seemed that way, but when you look back at it now, you go, fucking hell, like, you know, 19, you know, 76, 1977, like 1980 something, like they're making these points on TV about mm. not not simple things, really just about, about self-reflection, about what's right, about mental annihilation, um, mm. about so many things... And the concept of the character of Hawkeye to me, um, in terms of what he goes through, I he's he's a character that never quite leaves my thoughts in a lot of ways because um, it's one of those things where you go, God, I want to see what happens when he gets home, mm. um, but. I don't think any good. I don't think anything good. Yeah. I think I think that he does not have a pleasant time after the cl- conclusion of the show. Yeah, right. I think that the things that he goes through. So he's the only character who is uh, basically there from the beginning to the end, uh, and he's the only. He is the only. Alan Alda was the only actor who was in every single episode. Um, no, no one else covered the entire show like that. Um, and because of that, you know, and because of his directing and assisting in the writing and the creative process, um, he got to the the showrunners. They really got to explore a character in such a depth that the concept of a sitcom pre prior to that would never have allowed that concept. Um, mm. Which is one of the interesting things of the show, like in the UK and I think in Australia. Um, the laugh track never existed. Definitely in the UK, I'm not 100% sure on Australia. Mm-hmm. I thought that Australia had the BBC copies, but I'm not sure. Um, but the BBC had never 
had laugh tracks. So the laugh tracks are on it um, up until uh, season six, and then they gradually fade out until at some point in season eight they disappear. Yep. Um, and that was a thing that Alan Alder and a few other people were pushing. Uh, and now, so the ver- the versions that I have now are stripped of the um, the laugh track. The laugh track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and whereas in the in America it was like, this is a sitcom. This is a sitcom. Come along. And it very much is partic- like for seasons one and two, and then going into three, and they do explore some deeper parts and things like that. But it doesn't get really into complex, dark things until the show really reaches a point where the TV. Where the uh, television stations, the broadcasters can reject it. You know, the show was powerful enough that, and the creators and stars were powerful enough that they could push an agenda and they get to explore feminism and and racism and uh, Mm. ethnicity and the war, obviously, to a very great extent. Mm. Um, In a context where you're not seeing horror in an explicit way, no, you're seeing allusions to the horrors of war and yeah, yeah. yet or the how, aftermath yeah and yet how powerful is that mm. um and so many profound moments in the show and some of my favorite parts are just at those lowest most desperate times that hawkeye has yeah um and like what one comes to mind funnily enough is actually the first time son of a bitch the phrase was ever used on television um there's this episode where the south korean military police or military intelligence i can't quite remember but they've got a north korean woman uh who is like a militia yeah, right. Person. And so she comes into the hospital so they can rehabilitate her. And they're rehabilitating her so that the South Koreans can take her, uh, interview her and try and get anything out of her and then execute her for being yeah. a spy. And uh, when Hawkeye realizes that this is what's happening, he tries to get her out. Yeah. Um, but as they find out through the episode, you know, she tries to kill someone while she's in the hospital. She tries to, mm. to murder either a south korean or an american or something like that and then um at the end of the episode there's this part where uh she's screaming uh they're about to take her to to be interviewed and executed Mm. and um and i'll get to sort of the main point of one of the things that i love about the show in a sec but um the south korean army officer translates what she is allegedly saying to Hawkeye, which is just basically like, I would kill you if I could and all this sort of stuff. And it's still, Hawkeye is just saying, you know, you can't just execute a person. Like, you can't just take this person and kill her. And that's just a supremely... He's in war. Mm. Like, you're around it all the time, but it's he's being chipped away at all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's like, you you can't kill you, son of a bitch. And that's the point at which he realises uh, that they are going to take her an executor. And they do take her an executor. Mm. And he's this character that's just chipped away at and chipped away at and chipped away at in big and small ways to the, fa- to the point that the Hawkeye who goes there in a huge way, is not the same person that leaves. Mm. And that goes for anyone, in particularly in that type of situation. And one of the things that's new- unique about what they can do with the show was that 
the mobile uh, army surgeons hospitals uh, have only happened in a single war. Um, it was the only time they've ever existed was um, during uh, the Korean War. Um, so they were to, so they were to be at there's battalion aid, and that's like mm. where the combat happens, and yep. then they get you from there, and they'd either chopper you or ambulance you to a mash unit, uh, and there were a bunch of different mash units throughout Korea, and. The reason was is that before that you kind of had battalion aid and then you had um, you know whatever the headquarters was in yeah, World War right. Two and after that the helicopters could fly such a distance and were such a size that they made mash units irrelevant because you could fly people out of the field to a f- proper hospital yeah, um, yeah to a proper military hospital uh, and nowadays if you get injured you get like flown off onto you know if you get injured in Iraq or whatever you go to a hospital somewhere in Iraq. And then you get flown to Germany and treated. You know, that's how it... So, they don't... It's this one sort of window in time where this crazy concept uh, was it was at play. Mm. And, um, and in this particular thing, it's like you... Uh, Hawkeye is this character who, who is deeply cynical... Mm steadfast in select principles you know there are there are ones that he will he's not he's terrible with women he treats women like shit mm. um he he uh is irrational mm-hmm. in his need to defy what is happening he can't accept the situation that he's in mm-hmm. um and through that, he manages to hold on to something in himself while sort of every other part of him falls away. And as he says in in one of my favourite, favourite episodes where, um, you know, Radar looks up to Hawkeye. Yeah. You know, like an, a sort of an older brother or an idol. And um, uh, Hawkeye gets really, really drunk and then has to leave the OR in the middle of the surgery. And it's the only time in the war in that unit that that ever happens in, you know, in the universe of the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really causes something to disrupt in Radar. He goes, oh, my God, he's not... He's fallible. Yeah, he's fallible. And Mm. um, they get into, you know, they get into this big argument. And um, but before that, Hawkeye encourages Radar to go and, um, you know, go to... Tokyo and have or Seoul or whatever. And, and have R&R and, you know, sleep with a girl, you know, become a man kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, he gets injured and Hawkeye feels bad about it. And when he goes to speak to him, you know, Radar gives him shit about being drunk, you know, ah. and uh, he says to him, uh, my, you know, my job is to uh, pull kids out of a meat grinder without going crazy if possible. And it's one of those moments where you really see just bear um, how close to the edge he is. Mm. And that was a thing as it went on that Alan Alda wanted to sort of push more and more and more and more and show the disturbed nature of this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a character study of Hawkeye, that's one of my favorite things about the show. Not to say the other characters aren't as interesting to me. My, my, second favorite character by a narrow second 
is uh is uh Margaret Houlihan. Mm-hmm. Uh and she is the other one who's quite similarly tested and, and looked at. And then BJ would be a close third in terms of who's examined the most um, you know, Winchester is as well. Mm-hmm. He's quite well examined, but he's such a different person that it doesn't quite. It, you don't resonate too well. You don't sympathise for with uh, as much. You do uh, in some episodes. You do. I just think that it's it's more revealing that this person who's an asshole is a decent person fundamentally. Mm. Whereas um, Frank or, or, or something was the opposite, right? He was. Just, oh, Frank's just a piece of shit. Shit. Yeah, that's he's, right. He's nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, and. Um, uh, for, so for BJ, it explores things like he cheats on his wife, and yeah. what, how, what does that do to him? Um, he uh, he gets after Radar goes home. Radar meets his child that he because of the nature of the show and how shows were made at the time, they didn't quite have continuity the way we we do in shows today. Mm-hmm. So he had a child, and then it's kind of like later on, it's he's never met his child. So going towards the end of the show, it's like he's never met his daughter. Yep. And, um, yeah, Radar has met his daughter and he has a massive breakdown over this, of this concept of... That he... that he that, Yeah, I remember this episode. It was really, really... And it's well intense. done. And it, and it's that thing of... I love that they... Was that BJ? I thought it was Honeycutt. BJ, yeah. Yeah, BJ, BJ Honeycutt. Oh, my God, that's what I'm confused. Yeah. Who was the guy before? Trapper. Trapper. And Trapper is mentioned actually in that moment. He's like, I hate him. I hate Radar. And I hate Trapper. And I hate everyone that's gone home. Yeah. That's yeah so right. He says, I hate Trapper and I've never even met him. Um, yeah. Because he hates that he was close to Hawkeye. He hates that he's gone home. He's mm-hmm. jealous of him. He's, all, you know, all these different things. And I love that those things don't fade away. They don't. They don't forget that there were these characters here. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, and that, that sort of. That comes like later on that that thing it's like a few episodes after radar leaves i think but there's a lot of so that's kind of how bj is explored he's explored in that type of way and uh and winchester is explored in yeah that sort of uh he's an asshole oh but there's softness underneath yeah uh but margaret is margaret has the biggest arc so mm-hmm. hawkeye falls apart but margaret has um a totally different arc as a human Mm-hmm. Being, um, but she she feels and seems very functional in the military. She seems like that's where she wants to be. She she grasps the situation. She obviously has battles within it, but she wants to be in the military. Yeah. That she knows what she's getting herself into. Exactly. Yeah. Her father's a colonel, I think. Yeah, that's right. A- yeah. And Something um, like that. or major. Yeah, and no, she's a major. And, oh, um, right, right. And uh, he. And and she's very traditional, right? Men do this, women do this. That's right. Uh, that's her sort of attitude. But she starts the show as this pathetic character who defines herself by the men she's with. Yeah, Hulahan Hot Lips. Hot Lips Hulahan. Hot Lips. Who's, who's an object of sex. Yes. And um, she's not respected. No. Uh, mostly, but, you know, she's sleeping with a married man. And she's also and bitchy. She's, like, yes. She comes across as like, and oh, the annoying like one. Yeah. Exactly. And then she has sort of this phase two where she gets married and she thinks that that's a viable thing. And again, she's still bitchy about it, right? She's horrible. Frank's a piece of shit. But even Hawkeye and BJ defend him in her behavior of how she treats, you know, Frank, who mm. she'd been sleeping with for yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, well, in the show, about a year, uh, in terms of the yeah, obviously the timeline. Yeah, um, 
and she treats him like shit. Like she throws in his face the fact that they're married and drives him insane and he ends up actually going crazy and being sent home, right? Um, but like, fuck him, he's a piece of shit. But, yeah. but the thing is, you know, don't uh, treat unto others, right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, she goes through that phase and then that starts to break down and then she gets divorced because her husband... Um, on principle betrays her he you know he's he she calls up to contact his unit one day and uh they say oh he's he's, uh he's gone to um san francisco yep ah right when did he get transferred there oh the other day ah when will he be back never he's it's permanent who the hell requested that uh he, so he did, yeah, that's right, yeah. And she realizes what's happened, and she goes through this awful divorce, and then she gets, she realizes that she's divorced, and she, she, she talks to Colonel Potter and says, you know, I've realized, like, um, I can essentially marry my work, and at that point, mm. what happens is she doesn't just become like a hyper focused professional who puts everything else aside. She grows in her compassion, in her ability to connect. Mm. She starts to mend with, you know, Hawkeye and BJ and and Winchester. And she always loved Sherman, Potter, mm-hmm. but she um, gets closer to him. Um, and through that begins to gain respect. Um in one of my favourite moments in just the whole series when, you know, Hawkeye's meant to be going around giving them injections and it's like an injection that goes better into your butt and he's using that as an excuse to see her butt. Mm. And um, she turns around to him and is like, you know, he says like, hey, come on, it goes better in, in the caboose. Like, what do you want from me? And he, she turns around and is like, respect. That's it. That's all, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is. I'm just paraphrasing. But she says, you know, respect. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, just good old-fashioned respect. And despite the fact that there's not great continuity in the show and the chronology is all over the place, that is a defining moment in what comes afterwards. That is a defining moment in his relationship with her because they have a complex relationship. They have an affair yeah. a bit earlier in the show, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they sleep together in a moment of um, terror. Yeah. Uh, they're you know they're being bombed and and they just kind of end up embracing each other and then what happens and then they end up pissed at each other and blah 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 and she comes out as this person who she has a few sort of affairs through the rest of the show in sort of she you know hooks up with people mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. not what she was doing before with Frank um, and there are two people who really proposition her of like choose this or this yeah and she's like I can't this is. I'm me, I'm this independent woman and I'm doing my own thing. And the concept of that character in, you know, in the 1950s in the military, and that's from a, from a cultural standpoint, that's a dangerous position for a woman mm. to, to, to be in. That's sort of, at that time, that's kind of like, oh, okay, so you'll be a spinster, got it. What's like, a spinster? Uh, you know, like a... A woman who's alone forever and is bitter and yeah, right, cat a, lady kind of yeah, mentality. That's that idea. what a cat lady is as a spinster. Yeah, right. It's a really nasty, nasty. Um, uh, it's a derogatory term to yeah. to someone being single and this, assuming that they will be miserable because of it. Yes. 
So that's kind of the judgment, I suppose. But like, you know, there's an episode where she realizes that she could get nurses to do triage um, to save the doctors um, so that the doctors can be moving through OR quicker. Yeah. And um, she invites a general to come and inspect it. And when he gets there, he's like, oh, yeah, that's all fine. So, Margaret, when are we? Uh-huh. They'd hooked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Previously. I remember this one. And and it's that thing of she stands her ground. You know, there's a, there's another time when a guy comes from uh, from the US to investigate um, her for communist things and is like, oh, it's okay, we'll let you off if you sleep with me, basically. Uh, yeah. and, and it's that thing of she built her up, herself up into this sexual, sexualized character. That's how she saw herself and created her esteem. And then she goes through this painful process of having to, to shred those layers back. Had, had, yeah, to put yeah. to pull it back and get taken seriously by men. Yeah, yeah. And which is sad in in both ends of that spectrum. The fact that a woman can't be taken seriously if they're promiscuous, and the fact of how much work they have to put into actually pull that kind of ideal back. Totally. We saw that in an episode we just saw now, which as a bit of a refresher with the. I mean, this this wasn't her specifically talking about what you're saying, but that kind of assault of sexualness towards her as a character, which is... Oh, with the Italian guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, very accurately depicted. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and there's tons of some, you know, the Lebanese jokes that are in it. Are just, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. over the top. and But some, I mean, some of them are like, you wouldn't be able to put it in a show now, but it's just... It's an in the show offensive, but not actually racist thing. Like you know, when he says it, uh, Winchester says, um, "Once again, our Arab has led us to a mirage." When Klinger fucks up, yeah, and yeah. and it's that thing of that's Winchester being racist. Mm. That's not the show being racist. Winchester is a white elitist. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of like South Park in that respect is like Carmen can say horrible anti-Semitic totally. and stuff. They're not saying it. That's and, right. And, and it's that it's, there's a part where she, uh, Winchester's sister, Honoria, um, gets engaged to an Italian and he sends all these letters that are about fucking, you got to live in, you can't marry this man, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. going on. Purity of all. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's, that is what he's talking about. He's talking about racial purity. Mm. And um, he he breaks down later on when he discovers what she's been through. I think he gets a letter from her before his letters arrive and then the relationship's broken up and how she feels about it. And, and he reflects... Uh, I think he sends her an audio tape mm. to say how he's feeling or a phone call. I can't remember. I think it's an audio tape. But he... Might be a telegram. Anyway, I feel like it was a phone call because I feel like it would have had to have beaten the letters that he sent. I feel like that... But... I think it was a telegram. Yeah. Which it would, have, it would have gotten there before the letters. I mean. Oh, yeah. It yeah, could, yeah. Telegram is like... And off it goes. But the... Um, so, no, that's right. Isn't it like, please disregard? Yes, the please le- disregard the letters. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, I, you know, they were written when I was in a, you know, they were boorish and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and yeah. and that's the thing about him is that he does have an ability to reflect and things like that. But but the things about the show, there's, there's a real mis- mishmash of, uh, that makes you sort of go, uh, now. And things that you go, no, that is actually a judging of the context of the time. Yeah. So, there's... There, you. 
Watching the show, you do need to understand the historical context of everything that hap- that's happening. It's set in ni- from 1950 to 1953. Uh, the film, the the show was from 1975 to 86, mm. and um, so you need to pick through and go. Eh, that that is what today we would call like uh, uh, stereotyping or racial stereotyping, yeah, or something yeah, like right. that. That one is them depicting racism. Yeah. So that that there's that sort of thing. But in t- in terms of women, um, because of the time of when the show was made, the vast majority of it is contextual to the yeah. setting of the show, because in you know 1975, you're you're already at that point where there were tons of brilliant women funny women on television with their own I was going to say, there, there were always tons of brilliant and funny women not on television. <laughs> oh, Sorry, yeah. I was just no. being weird because I, I just oh, thought on, you on wouldn't... On television. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but but, but, but um, they were given the... the Not given. Uh, they fought, uh, particularly yeah. on in the trails of, uh, uh, of Lucille Ball, who is just one of my heroes. Um through Lucia Ball, you you get people like uh, Mary Tyler Moore and and um, and and R- R- I think Rhoda and I think Rhoda's a spinner from Mary Tyler Moore and these and these independent sort of these independent female really I hate to say it's like strong female characters it's that thing but you mm. know people feel like that's a fucking thing that's happened now I'm like have you not watched anything yeah um, it's uh it's it's been fought for for a while. <laughs> it's been fought for since the fucking cameras came on, yeah. and 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 I think that uh, you know these brilliant women paved a way that that by the seventies with the cultural movements and things like that, and and uh, you know uh, first wave and second, second wave, wave um, feminism, you're, you're you're really looking at a point where the context is they weren't really that sexist on this show. Not on TV, of course. It was, yeah, but yeah. on this show, um, they were primarily depicting attitudes towards women of the time and of male characters, and um, that is actually ex- examined throughout the show mm. um, in in numerous parts. Yeah, and uh, one of my favourite ones being uh, the episode with Nurse Kelly. Uh, who again? This is just a weird continuity thing. She's Chinese and then she's Japanese. So once she yeah. becomes a featured extra that's in it for basically the whole way through to the end, um, she's Japanese. But prior to that, someone says is asking about a skin graft, and they and they say, "Do you have something like you know this sort of size?" And I think they use the uh, like Italian terminology for like a type of pasta. And she goes, "Look, I don't know. I'm Chinese." You yeah, can either right. say like dumplings or this or that, and they're sort of like having a cultural conversation to describe skin grafts. Yeah, which is a funny moment, but um, later on she's Japanese, right? And uh, the there's a, so she's overweight and she's a larger girl, mm. and um, she is the only nurse basically that hasn't been screwed over by Hawkeye because he's never flirted with her. Mm. Basically, every nurse sort of won't really sleep or hang out out with Hawkeye anymore um, because he has commitment problems, which we Mm. find out in the show is because of this woman 
she shows up in the show. I was very surprised that they did it, actually. Yeah. There were allusions to her at different points. And then she comes and it was the woman, the only love he's ever had. And they broke up and uh, she left him, I think. Mm. And uh, she shows up in the... Yeah, she's a doctor or nurse in the war and she shows up there and, you know, it's it's this sort of examination of, oh, right, now I understand why you have such a shit attitude towards women. Mm. Aside from the fact his mum died when he was really young. So um, he has a complicated relationship with women anyway. Um, And he... he, Talking about his Japanese character. Yeah, he's, he's he's sort of has this episode where he keeps not acknowledging Kelly as a as a person who has any sexuality to mm. and it's that thing of like she wants to be viewed as someone who who has sexuality and and yeah. can be lusted for and uh, as she says to him you know he, he says I never saw you that way and she says you never saw me at all Mm. Um, and it's this, oh, it gives me goosebumps when I think about that episode. It's so fucking great. And, uh, he realizes that he should treat her differently and he goes to take her to a dance and then finds that she's been, uh, sleeping with this guy who's, you know, come through the camp and thinks she's really cute and stuff like that. And, and it's just this isolation of him that grows throughout the show um you know through aside from a few sort of examples that specific things are important for emotional beats um hawkeye doesn't really have any more uh trysts you know he doesn't he doesn't really sleep with many many women for like the last five seasons or so yeah yeah um because explicitly because of how he's treated women in yeah. the camp and so as soon as someone arrives they're like oh by the way don't go near him um yeah, and there yeah. are comments i, I that remember that throughout. yeah yeah uh, and um it's really clever that that's what happens they're aware of this it's not it those are the things i love about the show you know that they are willing to try and look at things in what at the time was the most earnest and honest way possible. You know, when they made something that today we would look at and go, that's politically incorrect or that's racist or something. That was not... They were going out with the best intentions within the context of the time. These are just, I mean, the people involved, you know, Alan Alder and uh, and all the producers. I mean, these are very left-wing progressive people. Uh, and they always had the best of intentions. And that's one of the things I find interesting about, about um, you know, coming back to Margaret with her arc and, and those changes and, and how they, despite having in the context of the show all these sort of things that would be talked about her in a sexualized fashion, uh, whoever was writing never lost their respect for her. Mm. Whoever was writing never, in a long term, on a long term basis, judged her for her um, for her behaviour, uh, and and that is something that I find really beautiful about the show. Masterfully performed, by the way, um, the character she just is a magnificently crafted um, character, and one of those ones when people are talking about. Um, great female characters. I often say, like, have you watched MASH? And way more than 
I ever hear the answer yes, people say no. And I go, watch MASH. Mm. Like, Margaret Houlihan is just this incredible character who comes from one place to another place and ends the war in this as just an utterly different person mm. and not not in a way that feels artificial, not in a way that, you know, it seems like an actress, you know. You know, sometimes a character changes and you sort of go, is it because the actor said, I don't want to be like this anymore or something? Like, yeah. even if that happened, it's re- it feels it's totally- it's Natural and- you, yeah, Exactly, it feels organic. totally natural. And the thing I love about her when she's married is that her overall behaviour and thoughts of herself as a woman are no different from how she identified before when she was sleeping with married men. She was, ident- she was defining herself by the men that she's with. Yeah, she never changed as a person at the core. She's always the same person, but her situation changes over time. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, in, ter- uh, in terms of her goodness, she changes at her mm. core when she gets divorced and she realises that men are not... Oh, I was going between the example of her being oh, right, single yeah. and then married. Yeah, oh, she 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 realises when she gets divorced that she is an autonomous person who gets to decide what defines her. And and that's that's one of my absolute favourite things about the show. Like, just hugely one of my favourite aspects of it. And something that I, when I'm, when someone asks, uh, won't shut up about it. And when people don't ask, I won't shut up about it. Well, now you have this in a recorded film form. So if anyone says, oh, I'm not sure about MASH, you'll be like, hey, just listen to this podcast. No, and no, this I'm, is my- yeah, now I definitely don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's and as boring as this guy talking. <laughs> and listen to the entire series, it'll be like you know, 500 episodes in, because we'll obviously go over episodes twice. I mean, <laughs> or what's the point? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, uh, there's 11 seasons. And uh, I would have watched it all the way through, except for one episode. Um, two episodes, rather. Uh, yeah, it got to be about 15 to 20 times Jeez. over the last, you know, 10, 10 plus years. Yeah, so it's about, like, almost once once a year. <laughs> I do, yeah, I do try to watch it through once a year. And then, um, depending, I've only ever seen uh, Goodbye, Farewell, and Our Men three times mm-hmm. the last episode yeah 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 uh and i think four times i've seen um dreams we're gonna episode. we're gonna watch that episode on oh, this podcast i fucking hate it man it's just why do you hate it Be- because so initially i didn't like it because it felt kind of avant-garde or wanky mm. that's initially why i didn't like it and then when I watched it again, it made me, it did its job. That's why I didn't like it. It made me feel really uncomfortable mm. because, so, uh, so what this episode is, is uh, everyone is horrendously sleep deprived. And then um, at different points, they keep just conking out finally and getting some sleep and they all have really disturbing nightmares um, that watching them today, you might sort of go, oh yeah. But if you are in the midst of their psyche, if you're in their heads of mm. these characters, it, it exposes you to a weakness, an emotional weakness in them that is very scary because you finally get to... It's the only time in this show where they go inside their heads uh, to show you what happens 
in their minds mm. and that it's not just the conversations or the breakdowns or, or the gestures or the interactions. It shows you literally what's in their heads. And um, it sort of, it varies, you know, uh, Hawkeye being stuck on a paddle boat in a river with no arms as, uh, as mannequins in separated oh, parts this. float down a river. Yeah, um, that, or was, that was messed up. Margaret, you know, is in a wedding dress and kisses a man and then she, you know, it cuts and she's just suddenly covered. Her wedding dress is covered in blood and I think she starts screaming. And um, I can't remember what happens to BJ, but uh, uh, Winchester is a magician that is, like, forced to dance um, Mm. because... He's one of the people that has a, 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 an extremely hard time with the transition of working there. And um, he is someone who can't allow the vulnerability to be exposed um, mm. because of the culture he comes from. And that episode ends with basically they all, you know, drink coffee in the mess tent because none of them want to sleep because of the nightmares they've been having. Yeah. And um, that's the whole episode. Like, very little of the episode. Is that the last episode? No, no, no. no I was going to say, I'm like, that does not sound like the no. last episode. I don't remember. No. The last episode's fucked up. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's- Powerful. Uh, yeah, with the chicken and stuff. It's, mm. uh, yeah, the last episode is, yeah, Hawkeye is in a psychological Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, with uh, one of my favorite, favorite- Bit characters. Do you mean the therapist? Yeah, yeah whose name amazing. has Justice. Sigmund, no, Simon, Sydney. Sydney Friedman. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dr. Friedman. He, uh, he's an yeah, awesome he, they, they, they're on a bus and, and, um, and he's disturbed about the fact that this woman had, um, throttled her chicken to, um, by the way, this is referenced in 30 Rock by Alan Alder. Um, oh, God, I remember this this episode. This was so, uh, he's so dist- good. He, he's, yeah, he's disturbed by the fact that a woman throttled her chicken so that the, um, the, the, the North Koreans who were in the bushes wouldn't find them. Yeah. And uh, once he's, the breakthrough in his therapy is that it wasn't a chicken. Um, he's replaced it in his yeah, mind as a chicken and it was her baby. She smothered her baby who was crying so they wouldn't be found. And um, and that yeah. that's the final breakdown when he gets sent to a psychiatric ward. Yeah, uh, he snaps. Yeah, and that is referenced in 30 Rock when Alan Alder um, walks into uh, the... Uh, um, walks into uh, the studio mm. um, uh, because he is Jack's actual dad. That's and right. About the, he wants a kidney. Yeah. Oh, I'm a kidney. I don't know these words. The other kidney's singing now. Um, <laughs> but the joke, he walks into the thing and someone is, uh, they're doing a, th- a set and uh, there's, someone's dressed up as a baby and um, what's his name? Uh, the... Uh, What's his name? The character in it. Thanks. Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. So someone's, I think he's dressed up as a baby or something. There's there's a baby on the set in some fashion and he's screaming, my chicken, my chicken. And Alan Alder says, crying about a chicken and a baby. I thought this was comedy. 
and then he walks <laughs> off. Um, uh, Futurama did a really good piece on um, uh, on Mash, and it was like the robots that are doing like Mash essentially, <laughs> and it was just like it would just always go like something really funny and then it would just cut like he would just turn his head and it would go all dark and he would say something really <laughs> horrible like because i'm trying to hide my feelings and he would go back to like this ha, 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 joke and it was it was like that's kind of a great way of yeah the and that that's the that's a really cool way of they sort of got to weave humor in was that mm. that is hawkeye's coping mechanism yeah. holy punny jesus oh man. yeah as long as he's making jokes uh he's okay i feel like there are like full-time pun writers that just basically oh, went through the script and went, yeah, we can pun this, we can pun this. in history are in this Only show. because every pun in history is written in that show. <laughs> no, these, these like, like all just, babble, it's man. just like, boom, joke, boom, joke, Yeah, it boom, really joke. is. But it's a lot of time it's puns. Mm. And, uh... God, we just had cement gorgeous. puns, right? Uh, that's it, I'm thrown in the trowel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I just, I, they're just... I've got a concrete idea. That was the other one. Oh, there's so many of them. That was, I love that episode so much. Yeah, it's really it's, good. It's yep. a great episode. It's To me, I would. I know it's not, but I file it kind of under the caper episodes where it's like, you know, something silly is happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a beautiful episode to me because, yeah, uh, there's an episode basically uh, called uh, Concrete Relationships where uh, they discover that there's staff infections from the uh, rotten floor in their OR and it's eventually inevitably going to kill a patient. Someone, yeah. Uh, and so they decide to uh, pave it with concrete and they have to do it themselves because the engineers won't. And uh, that's pretty much what the episode's about. And, that's right. But it's just, it, I love that bit where they realise they've got the mix wrong and then yeah. and then they're all like, you know what, screw it, let's put the wood back. And Hawkeye just says... Yeah, let's do it, totally. Everyone go to bed right now. Yeah. And, and just accept that someone will die. Yeah. That's all. That's all. And opens do. the door. Yeah, he yeah, opens yeah. the door for him, and then everyone gets back to work. And it's- that's the weird thing about that show is that, like, if you just if you didn't think of it in that kind of perspective, of like this is messed up and this is like, like if you didn't get your head in that zone, then it would just be like this. Oh, it's a kind of a stupid joke and something like that. But it's like because he doesn't say it really darkly or seriously, he says it in that kind of sarcastic kind of tone, like kind of more let's almost all just upbeat. Go and have a good night, and then we'll do this, and then something. Yeah, will die. that's right. And it's and that's but it's one dark. of dark. Yeah. But, but that's and that's the thing I love about the show is that's the situation that they're in. It mm. doesn't matter if you're joking, it doesn't matter if you're drinking, it doesn't matter if you're smiling, it doesn't matter if you're sad. The fact of the matter is that you have to until you drop dead, basically, you have to just continue saving children, mm. you know, from his perspective. Yeah. Uh from from a horrendous situation. Yeah. You know, and, and if you do fall asleep people will die like th- that's just the reality like yeah they did like the, the ridiculous hours like there's mm. constant references to doing like you know 18 hours or 22 hours or something like that where they just there's there's two there's a couple of episodes i think there's only one episode where it's like over 50 hours or yeah near 50 yeah. hours or something like that and- but the thing is that that's a common theme not a like oh, this yeah. is one episode where they go crazy. It's like yeah. no, no, this happens regularly. They're exhausted, yeah, all the time. Because if they and if they do to go to sleep, if they do sleep well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, oh, you and and that's that great thing about sort of in the personal life stuff where they're trying to manage their own time and you know they might do this and have a date with someone or do that and and um, one of my favorite examples of it is this uh, guy who has an absurdly high uh, death rate 
in his units, and it's mm. because he wants to um, a particular hill that he wants yeah, to capture. Yeah, he, he wants to capture a hill, yeah. and uh, he uh, Hawkeye decides to poison him so that he gets ab- abdominal pains, and then convinces him that it's his kidney. Yeah. And BJ tries to talk him out of this, but he takes out this healthy man's. Um, kidney and as bj says to him you know that's not surgery it's mutilation and yeah. it's a line and and he won't cross it have anything to do with it yeah you know and hawkeye does it and he stayed up through the night to do this to do the surgery and get him into post-op and do all the stuff right because he had to do everything by himself and uh he sits down on his bunk and he's about to go to sleep and then ambulances arrive. Yeah. <laughs> and BJ says, uh, you know, you treated a symptom, but the disease goes merrily on. And and it's that thing of, you didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can just stop one person. So, they're replacing with another two fucking pieces of shit. That's right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's that, that's one of my favorite things about that show is that if they misuse their personal time, um, you know, then they'll go, and now you have to stay awake for the next 20 hours doing surgery because you didn't sleep when you had the chance. And people will die. Yeah. Yeah. But this this is unfair. That's not living. No. You know, they're the walking dead in this show. It's, mm. it, it's such an interesting examination. And it's one of those shows that I often think the only thing that would make it better is if it did have sort of a 21st century current standard breaking bad level of continuity and chronology. Mm. That could be the, the, it's the only thing that would improve it to me. And I think during the Iraq wars, there was a suggestion floating around that someone wanted to revive the concept um, and do it now. I think that that would be a bad idea. I think that it would actually be better to revisit exactly the same thing if you were to look into it. Cause I just think there is something about that, that, I don't, I just, it's, how do you make this show? How do, how do you make something so nuanced that you can make a comedy that is set in a war military zone. hospital in a war zone? Yeah. H- how, where there are- How s- do you go 11 seasons? You know, like, there's a lot to talk about, but obviously they, they do it. It's, it's, they, I never felt like, uh, other than the first two seasons- which were a bit of like repetitive and a bit of a drag comparatively because they're they're comedy 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 yeah, yeah. comedy and it's that like uh, I get it they ended the show but and they could have made more episodes they oh, they absolutely. probably could have found something to write about but they didn't beat a dead horse yeah they got to it and like all right this is the time and and the like I said the only thing that could have made it better was chronology and mm. they have some incredible episodes that you know violate things have been set up earlier and all that kind of stuff but it's when you go into it you just have to ignore that stuff you have mm. to just go i'm gonna take this episode by episode and interpret it in my opinion anyway i interpret it through this thing of yeah on one level i interpret it as like hey this is like a 1970s 1980s show they didn't do that then mm. you know so there you go in an in-universe way i interpret it as like They've picked parts from different winters and different summers and different yeah, springs yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout the three years, and then sort uh, of. To be honest, I don't even think about. It. I I just go. This is just a war. Like I understand that it does come from a very specific time, but I just go. This is just a war. 
yeah. insert war here. I understand that it's not. I think if away. you sort of, I think if you get to the level of like, uh, mash fandom that I'm at, it's sort of that thing where I can say like, at this point, you know, she's she's uh, you know, she's a Chinese nurse and she's a yeah, Chinese yeah. nurse, and like Stuff they say that noticed. this happens, but he didn't. You know, there's an episode that one of my favorite episodes covers um a full year. Right, and it's done beautifully. Beautifully through a, um, it starts on an, at a New Year's Eve party, but the New Year's Eve party that it starts at was before Potter arrived, uh, and Potter's there. So that there's things like that. Yeah, but there's short just, films about a time. Oh, totally. That's the that's what I mean. Like With it's just things characters. to ignore. But mm. that episode is amazing because yeah, it goes through and then it ends at the next New Year's Eve, and they're still there, and mm. um, and it's it follows this baseball season where Klinger and Winchester um, lose a shitload of money and um, uh, everyone else makes a lot of money and it follows as uh, Father Mulcahy uh, plants corn and he's trying Mm. to grow them and he gets them done and he gets them all ready for 4th of July and then um, the cook creams all the corn that he made instead of putting it on the cob and it's it's fucking great stuff. But, But that's one of those episodes where you just go... Wow, you know, look at twelve months of of what happens to them, and um, other you know, and other shows have done that. I'm personally not aware of anything that's that had done that before, and I'm sure there is. But um, you know, like I don't know if you watch Master of None, but that, for instance, did mm. that beautifully with um, I think it showed twelve months of his relationship with the girl he ends up. Yeah, with. that's right. And yeah, it's kind of just reminded me of it. Um, but yeah, I think you know that's kind of in my opinion. A very all over the place, kind of scattered overview of uh, what I think is really great about the show and how to think about it when you watch it. Mm. You know, to to take it as what it is instead of applying current concepts of television to it, because then you're setting yourself up to fail at absorbing it um, in a way that's positive. Um, I just, I, I, I just think it's one of the most valuable and worthwhile, uh, viewing endeavors. I, I really think that it is a truly uplifting vision into how we should all feel about the reality of what these things, these you know, what war does to human beings. And um, d- despite the fact that, you know, people talk about justified and unjustified wars and all that kind of stuff, I mean, there was nothing ethically wrong with the Korean War um, in terms of, you know, the, con- the concept of the Korean War. You know, North Korea was, like, they wanted to take over the South and... You know, they wanted to be separate places and it's a completely legitimate thing to go, no, we don't want this, you know, we want to fight to keep mm. Korea whole. And um, and so there's it, that's the other layer to it as well, is that it's dis- despite things that happened in the American involvement, uh, it's in that, you know, a bunch of generals want to drop nuclear bombs and shit like that on the North. Jeez. And... <laughs> yeah, in a very real way, it was mm. very much seriously suggested, and um, 
despite all of those types of things, it's still, you know, and despite the fact that they were there, the Americans were really there. You know, if it wasn't about communism, they wouldn't have shown up. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. But besides that, you know, the South Koreans were entitled to defending their their um, way of life, uh, despite the horrible things that happened on the South Korean side of things as well. It's not like everyone was nice. Yeah. Uh, but it, even within that context, you can experiment, like, what the fuck is happening here you know the madness of it um and that it's always something that's worthwhile investigating and it's just from a perspective that's not normal mm. in terms of you know war movies blah blah it's always you know soldiers or generals or airmen or this or that i mean it's these the big are the drama people- as well yeah it's always like the, the craziest part of a war the most intense yeah. something something and and this is the this is what happens afterwards yeah. You know, you know the guy that you saw get shot in Band of Brothers? Let's follow him and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what this show is about and and that is a unique thing. And then when you look at the real world side of it, this bizarre concept that, you know, not like uh, reportedly anyway, um not many super famous shows seem to go past without drama. Mm. And um at aside from a couple of moments of arrogance and egotistical behavior um specifically in seasons one two and three with people behind the scenes um once they sort of got set into the motions of who was who on set from season four onwards reportedly it was just the most delightful thing Mm. to work on everyone had a, a wonderful time working together for you know 11 years that's that's a really long huge thing and 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 for people like um uh, i really am tired i can't remember the name of the guy who played frank and i feel really terrible about that um but for him you know in uh season five to turn around to them and say and this is i've always had huge amount of respect for him for this he turned around to the producers and writers and everyone and just said what more is frank Mm. what can you do with frank because you either rip his character apart and totally and totally betray the character he, he is mm. by changing him to be something that can grow or he's done. And that's why he left the show. Mm. He left the show because he felt that there was nothing that that character could grow into and he was going to become uh, uh, just a, I'm the bad guy yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. And he walked away and allowed Frank to not become that. Mm-hmm. And then opened the door to Winchester, who, when they thought about who is Winchester, they went, okay, we need a character that we can have some access of growth. In. Yeah, that's right. They just started him from at the core to be someone that can be changed. And exactly. Move. Someone who's confident in themselves, that can stand up to Hawkeye and BJ and all And competent. Stuff. Yeah. He's an arrogant, racist fuckwit. But he's but good he's at a his damn job. good surgeon. Yeah, and and that's the stuff that's really great about that. Whereas Frank was in, he, he wasn't just an arsehole. He was incompetent. He was rude. He was viciously racist in a way that's quite different to the way Winchester was racist mm. and um, misogynistic and all these terrible things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winchester's also misogynistic, but um, not misogynistic. He's sexist, and um, he, but for, you know, okay, this this character's expired. I'm leaving. Not, give me more to do. Yeah. You know? 
and and I feel like that is why the show is so wonderful when you go back and watch it now is because behind the scenes, same as when you watch something like Friends, right? Um, those guys all actually became like yeah, close, close, and respected each other, mm. and um, you know they did things in Friends. I think it was you know Ross and Rachel the the. Again, brain has faded. Uh, but like th- when their contracts were negotiated for the show going beyond oh, that's season right. two, they they, they found out how up. much more they were earning than everyone else, yeah. and they demanded their salaries be reduced and everyone and spread evenly so that everyone got up to the same thing. And they all signed contracts saying, from here on out, we have to be paid exactly the same, despite the fact that the um that NBC's perspective on it was. Ross and Rachel were making the most yeah, money. Yeah, you guys are the stars. Yeah, you're the- be paying, be paid more. So, th- you know, things like that and, and you just- I think that that's why there's such a beauty to it. And my f- one of my favourite clips that you can find online is um, of sad- It's so sad that someone at- um, I think I think it was was it on NBC? I think it, I think it was on NBC. I can't remember. Whatever state, whatever whoever was broadcasting Mash invited the press to view the last take of the show that was ever done. Mm. And the last take of the show that was ever done was the episode before the final episode. Um, they it's uh, so great. They make a um, time capsule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I they put all this stuff in there. And it's when they've just buried it and they're yeah. about to walk off and uh, Winchester has a fake grenade and he throws it in the air and catches it and walks off. And that's the final thing that they shot. And um, the cast was so upset. Uh, but it, you can see this beautiful moment of just as soon as it's cut, uh, they need this time. You know, they're crying and all this sort of stuff. But some idiot at the... Some idiot at the studio said that the press should be in there to get publicity for it and all this stuff. So when they called print, um, they were just like, oh, would you like to answer questions about blah, 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 blah. And they didn't get this moment of peace. Mm. And uh, it's sad, but in the footage that comes before that happens in their last take, you can see how difficult this last take is. And uh, and you can, and despite how phenomenal all these actors are, you can, you can see a bit of it in the ep- in the episode, but they put it into the moment of thinking about, you know, 50 years from now or whatever. Mm. Uh, but there was a lot of love. Oh, yeah. In, in the making of it. And I am really happy that Alan Alder managed to wrestle a lot of creative control because he brought... He brought to the, f- to the forefront of it an examination of things that otherwise wouldn't have happened, you know. He had the power to, in terms of the industry, mm. to be able to dictate a lot of what the show was doing. Uh, and through that, he got to examine issues that otherwise wouldn't uh, have been covered because it would have remained um, just a comedy uh, when it had the potential to be so much more. And it's rare that you see that potential realised as uh, in, in, to its full extent that MASH could become truly... Uh, what it should be and remain exemplary throughout, you know, that it would just be of a high quality. Anyway, sorry. I know you haven't talked much. No, no, that's fine. You you have a lot to say about it. That's fine. (laughs) I want to echo a lot of those statements, but probably like a quarter of them. 
Only the rest because, I disagree with. No, I just don't know <laughs> a lot of that other stuff. Like, I've seen all the episodes, but I can't make reference to them and all that stuff like that. So, yeah, no, that's good. I like this. It's a good intro, intro into, like, what this... Like, if someone wants to hear what you talk about when we go through the episodes, then they'll be able to, like, refer to this episode and be like, this is kind of the whole overarching. So, if you say Houlihan's, uh, you know, like, arc, they'll be like, oh, that's because Josh talked about... You yeah. know, that whole thing. For That's like, amazing, because it didn't even really talk about everyone. No, no, we didn't, but we don't think we need to. I think that... that, that <laughs> no, I, th- I, yeah, I think that you can... I think that it's a lot easier to grasp, you know, a lot of the uh, supporting characters. Uh, Father Mulcahy and things like that. His arcs are... The, the only sort of important moment that he really has as a character... The question of faith or something like that? Like, okay, I remember that's happened to him. Um, not quite like that. That It's a... Ah, it's the Patrick Swayze episode, as a matter of fact. Oh yes, he was in it. And um, oh, he was a, a soldier, wasn't he? He was that a gets... soldier that has leukemia. Yeah. And um, uh, I believe that ah, that's right. A bishop was coming to the camp, mm. and uh, Father Mulcahy wanted everything just so, and was being being very selfish about everyone being organized for this bishop coming to to see him do a sermon and you know everyone make sure they're on Sunday blah 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 make sure you do this and um uh, this is really own, uh, the, this is the real true test of him he has other tests but this mm. is the most this is where he looks at himself and goes my god what have you know what did i do mm. and um he ends up speaking to this, uh, to Patrick Swayze's character, uh, who's been diagnosed with leukemia, um, as they found in his blood test, and they have to sort of send him. And you know, 1950s, that's basically a death sentence. And mm. he spends the night going from this zone of everything must be ready, everything must be ready, everyone get fucking in line, like that type of attitude, yeah, yeah, yeah. to talking through with this, you know, 19, 20-year-old about the fact that he's going to die. Yeah. And he forgets to finish his sermon, and he's up all night with this guy. And so he just goes and he does the service, and he doesn't have a sermon to say, and what he talks about is his selfishness mm. and reflecting on that. And it's, it's so beautiful. It's, it's beautifully, beautifully done. And there are other, of course there are tons of moments with father Mulcahy, but that is, uh, aside from one other bit that, that is about his strength of character, because he's brave and he does a lot of amazing things. And, and one of the strengths of him as a character that I really like is that he's so deeply religious and yet he accepts the situation that he's in. Mm. He accepts that people are sleeping with each other all over the place. He accepts all of the, you know, that people aren't doing confession and they're not doing certain yeah, things. He goes in without judgment. Yeah, he 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 respects other religions. There, yeah. there are numerous times when other religions come up and, you know, he tries to handle that in, in, in as best his knowledge is of those things. Mm. And... Um, He's a wonderful character, but again, like not the same sort of uh, you know Hawkeye Margaret uh, scale scale of mm. yeah of, of of what they do. But we'll get to all those things because we could we all dive into those episodes. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, because I think that'll be nice to go from like going through 
because we don't we're not going to watch every episode and then do Fuck everything because no. that'll just be we could just do an entire separate podcast about it. But I think well what we can do is we can go through every character and pick like defining episodes and you know and scatter them across like we can do that kind of theme at some point because i feel like that's an important way to talk about the show but we've got to end this um at some point end it uh yeah thanks for doing this and what well, i'm excited to like start recording and re-watching all these episodes <laughs> it's gonna be uh you don't know what you've gotten yourself into <laughs> oh, i'm sure this would be great i've got a, i've got a system in, in my mind already about how this is gonna go right right, right. so we'll stick to that I... and i will talk at some point I hope so. I will. No, no, I will. I've got things to say. You, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss details later. So, but thank you for potting with me. You're welcome for potting with you. Name. So that's the podcast for today. Stay tuned as there'll be a new episode released every single Thursday. And uh, to keep up to date, don't forget to subscribe using Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode, I want to give a special shout out to Josh yet again for coming back and providing us with his amazing knowledge and brain, especially about this particular TV show. The Not Chili podcast is produced and edited by me, Piotr Bracheleski, and the music was sourced from the Filmstro website. Till next week, thank you for listening. 